I've got a prophetic word for you this morning. I've also got a page of laughter. And I'm trying to figure out how to work those both at the same time. I'm going to I'm going to speak this morning on Abraham and Sarah and their child's name Isaac. Do you know what the word Isaac means? Laughter. And sometimes the promises of God are so out there, all we can do is laugh at his promise, not at the ridiculousness of it, but at the magnitude of it. And what he does is he turns that laughter into his covenant and he establishes it forever. So this morning, I want to give you a couple things to think about. There's, there's a church, some churches print their sermons ahead of time, and they actually have sermon titles that they print ahead of time. And uh, we don't do that, but there's one church that did it, and they, they had their bulletin, and the morning service was Jesus Walks on the Water. And then they had the evening sermon title, Searching for Jesus. There's another announcement they had in the bulletin. So please read your bulletins very carefully. They had this garage sale, this rummage sale, and they said, ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. (laughs) Another one said, don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. (laughs) They had a, I'm going to read a few of you for you. Miss Charlene Mason sang, it will not pass this way again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. There's this marriage celebration. Irving and his dear friend Christina, they were getting married on October 24th in the church. So ends a friendship that began in their school days. (laughs) There was a church banquet, and they said they're going to host an evening of fine dining, super entertainment, and gracious hostility. You know, you have to spell words correctly. Okay, here's one for you. This one we can laugh at because we don't have a choir. But at the evening service tonight, the sermon topic is what is hell? Come early and listen to the church choir practice. (laughs) Can we laugh? Sometimes, 
missing a letter or putting apostrophes in the wrong spot. Here's one for you. This evening at 7 o'clock, we're going to have a hymn singing in the park across from the church. Bring a basket, a blanket, and come prepared to sin. They forgot. They missed the G. Come prepared to sing. The low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 o'clock. And could you please use the back door? There was another one about the Weight Watchers, and it was at another church, and please use the large double doors as you enter. <laughs> Can I ask you something? How do you feel now compared to five minutes ago? Do you know laughter actually does something for you? I don't think we laugh enough. Should I do that one, honey? <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay, I'll do one last one. This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Carson to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. <laughs> I have some other ones, but I'm not permitted to say them, and I don't know how they got in the bulletin. Can you turn in your Bibles to Genesis? For those of you, just start at the front cover and turn right. I don't think we have enough laughter. It says that Jesus had more joy than all his fellow friends and his, those around him. Now, it didn't mean he was a prankster. It just meant that he knew how to smile, how to laugh, and how to joy. How joy. Am I, I had my hair cut this week. It was getting long. It was actually so long, people looked at me, and they, they were calling me Mr. Hippie. And then they looked at Winona, and they called her Mrs. Hippie. Oh, it comes right by. Okay. You got it, but you didn't laugh. I'm so glad that you can either laugh with me or laugh at me. I want to call forth laughter in you today. But I want to call it forth in a different way. I want to call forth those things that God has spoken to you that are so outrageous, so crazy, so wild... That when you told somebody before, all they could do was laugh. Because the size of your dream is so large, it's, it's something you look at and you just go, and you, you laugh at it. And part of that is good because when it happens, those around you will say, it could never be David because David could have never done that. What happened is so beyond what David could have done that it's got to be God. And I want to talk about Sarah this morning. In Genesis 12, God, we, God speaks to Abram, and it's kind of the introduction to Abram. 
And as you read that passage, you find out that he was 75 years old at that time. God says, I'm going to make a great nation. I'm going to, I want you to come forth, leave the country where you're at, and I'm going to show you where you're going to go, and every place you've put your foot, you're going to tread is, is going to be yours, and it's going to be for your descendants. The only problem is Abram married a wife that could not have children. You know, sometimes, I'm going to give you, I didn't pass out notes today because I didn't have so many notes so much as I want you to take notes because as I'm speaking, God's going to give you some of the words I say are going to resonate inside of you and as they resonate inside of you, you need to write them down. Because this morning, I believe God's given me a prophetic word for every single one of you here. And as you listen to it, God's going to drop some of those words inside of you that are going to bounce and resonate and stay inside of you. And as they do, you need to write them down. Because you need to remember what God identifies inside of you. So Lord, may my words drop as dew from heaven. So Genesis 12, he calls Abram, and he's 75 years old. If you go and you continue reading, we're going to flip over a couple pages, and we get to Genesis 17, verse 1. And actually, the last verse of Genesis 16, it says, Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael, and he was 86 years old at the time. So 11 years after God gave him the promise, it still hadn't happened the way Abram had suspected. So his wife, Sarah, says, take Hagar, and we can do this through whatever arrangement we have, and she can have a son, I'll call her mine, and we will have this thing happen that God said was going to happen, and you'll have my son. You'll have a son, and, and he will be my heir and our heir, and that's how it's going to work. So he has Ishmael, and God comes to him and says, I'm going to give you a son, and I'm going to change your name. And his name, Abram, and I find this interesting because his name wasn't bad. His name meant exalted father. And this morning, as I talk about some of this prophetic word, some of these things are going to affect what you call because what you call is what it becomes. So quit calling something that is not what God calls it. And God comes to Abram and he says, I'm going to change your name from exalted father to father of many nations. And he's 86 when this happens. He goes for another 14 years still does not have this promise that God says. God comes to him halfway through Genesis 17, and he says to him, Abram, I'm changing your name, and I'm going to establish my covenant, and I'm going to give you millions of descendants who will represent many nations, and I'm going to continue this everlasting covenant between us. And what I find interesting is when God comes and he speaks a covenant, he doesn't ask your opinion. He tells you what he wants done. 
And he comes to him and he says, this is what's going to happen. And then he says, and what you need to do, Abram, is you need to obey this covenant. I want you to understand things. Sometimes we try to do things when the first thing we need to do is listen, hear, and obey. I believe in doing God's word. Don't get me wrong. But the first thing we have to do is hear his word. And he comes to him and he says, now, your part of the agreement, in verse 9 of chapter 17, he says, your part is to obey the terms of the covenant. And as you read on, you find out that this is where circumcision is instituted. And circumcision was a physical sign of a covenant that God had. And as you read it, you find out that they bore on their body the sign of the covenant. The Old Testament contains Christ. The New Testament reveals Christ. In Bible school, they taught us that the old, the, the new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. In other words, when you read the Old Testament, read it, but see how Christ is in there. And here it says that the children of Israel, they bore the sign of the covenant bodily. Do you know that Jesus bears the sign of the covenant bodily? He went to the disciples and he said, look at my hands and look at my feet. Look at my side. So we changed the whole concept of circumcision has changed and now we are marked through what Christ has done. By the way, you're still called to be different than the rest of the world. When people look at you and get around you and hear your conversation and see your lifestyle, I am convinced that they should see, hear, and know that there's something different around you and about you and in you because of who you belong to. Jesus is not somebody we take, put in our back pocket and say, thank you, I've got my ticket to heaven. Jesus is somebody who comes into your life and radically changes your life and improves it and causes you to now have something eternal where before you had something temporal. And he affects your life. Don't use the same language you had before you got saved. Don't do those things that miss the mark before. Don't miss the mark now. Jesus affects us, and it should show. In fact, if you study and read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you will find out on numerous occasions the difference was other nations recognized God in the midst of the nation of Israel. The funny thing was Israel did not recognize God in their midst. When the children went of Israel went and spied out the promised land, they came back and said, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. Forty years later, they go into the land, and the people in the land say, you know what? We were freaked out because we knew God was with you. 
So when God does something in you, it will affect you. So, God, so Abram, Abraham has now changed his name. God changes his name. He's 99 years old. If you continue in, in chapter 17, about verse 17, he says, Abram bowed to the ground and he laughed to himself with disbelief. Not with unbelief, with disbelief. And there's a subtle difference. Disbelief says, I can't believe what's going on. Unbelief says, I won't believe. Have you ever heard somebody say, this just was like, I never believed, I never expected this to happen. And it's not because they're living in doubt or disbelief or un unbelief. It's, this is just amazing. Whereas other people stand in unbelief and they'll say, this will never happen to me. And what happens is they shut the door and they don't accept it. And God speaks to Abraham and he bows down and he laughs to himself. So this morning, we had some laughter, but now I want to change that picture, and I want to start to call forth those things in your life that were spoken to you, that you read, that you saw years ago, that you thought would never happen. And I want to call the crazy dreams that you had 20, 30, 10, 5, 1 year ago. I want to call those out and I want to bring them in front of you again. And I want to cause you to actually laugh at the, ex at the extent or the extremity of what God can do. A few years ago, I rode my bike. We bought a bike from Costco. Because I wanted to get into cycling. So instead of spending $1,000 on a bike, we spent $200 and change. Went to Costco and got a cheap bike, you know, just to a bike and and I rode it for like a week and a half the first week I rode it I went around the Abbotsford airport I'm pedaling as hard as I can because I don't know how to pedal slow if you go with me to me it's a race I, I, I don't know why but to me it's a race and I gotta beat you and if I don't beat you we'll race again tomorrow so just let me win but I got on my bike, and it's a heavy thing, and, and I get passed by a guy on a nice road bike. And he passes me like the wind. And I catch just a glimpse, and I see him, and he's got a white beard. Now, I'm 50-ish. Now I'm 50-ish. Then I was still in my 40s. And I looked, and I thought, He's got more white than I got. And I did the math in a millisecond, and I came up with an answer that said equals old. I just got passed by an old guy. <laughs> Pedaled as hard as I could. I couldn't catch up to him. But I loved riding my bike. We have a cottage up country that God has blessed us with, about two weeks later, we're driving up to the cottage, and I blurt, I blurt, I want to ride my bike up to the cottage. Winona looks at me, and she laughed. 
Now, that was the last time she laughed. Every time after that, she said, how are we going to do this? But the dream was so crazy, it didn't make sense. Did you catch that? I'm calling forth right now dreams that God has given you, words that he's spoken to you, thoughts that he's, impressions that you can't shake inside of you that you know that you know that you know that you know God said it, but it's so ridiculous, how would this ever happen? Some of you, it's in the millions of dollars. And you don't even have enough to make a mortgage payment. Some of you, it's running a multi-million dollar company. And yet, you're not even the boss of what you're doing. Others of you, it's leading a group. And yet, right now, you're being led. And God comes to you and he puts this thought inside of you and he speaks this rhema, rhema word inside of you that's life, that causes life, but you look at it and it laughs. I can't do this. Sarah could not have children. So what you're saying just cannot happen. But God... So we got to rise above the level of our thinking. We got to rise above the level of our understanding. We got to rise above the level of my limits and start looking at a whole nother level and say, if God says it, then I'm going to believe it and I'm going to do what his word says and I'm going to abide by his covenant and I will see those things come to pass. And Abraham's Abraham's 99 years old. 25 years later, after God tells him, you're going to go in the land and you're going to be a father of many nations, you're going to have children. He comes 25 years later. Some of you have been waiting for years. I'm here to tell you the appointed time is now. Are you taking notes? I tell you, get your pens out. Get your iPad, your phone. Because God is dropping things inside of some of you that you have to hold on to because those are the things that will hold on to and you'll anchor yourself to. I talk with Pastor Nelson on a regular basis, not just Sunday mornings. That was a joke. We live next door. We see each other all the time. But I was talking with Pastor Nelson. There's words that were spoken over him 25 years ago that he still calls to remembrance. And as we have a conversation, he will call those and he'll speak those and he'll say, this is still, it hasn't happened completely. Some of this has happened, but this hasn't. And you know what? He hangs on to those. Those words, there's words that Winona and I have had spoken over us. You know what? We remember those words and we call them forth and we look at them and we say, they might look ridiculous, but this is what God's word says. This is where I'm going to plant my feet and this is where I'm going. When I was six years old or younger, I remember 
the day I heard God speak to me and said, David, I'm calling you to be a pastor. I remember that day. I remember what I was doing. You know what? There's been times where I thought that wasn't the case, and I can't help but go back and say, no, I know what I know what I know when God spoke it and he said it, and I plant myself where he said it, and that's where I live and function from. And then God's, and, and I'm reading here from the New Living Translation, and, and I just like the way it's worded in this passage. God talks to Abram, and he gives him the sign of the circumcision. And then in verse 17, or 15, it says, Then God added. God's speaking to Abram, and he says, This is what's going to happen. And then he adds to it. Don't put a period where God's put a pause. Don't put a stop where God just took his breath and then he wants to add. And he adds and he speaks about Sarah. And he says, by the way, you're not going to call her princess. Her name wasn't bad, but you're not going to call her princess. You're now going to call her noble woman. And what happens is you need to change the way you speak about your dream. There's power in our words. There is power in our words. They've done research and they have found plants respond to words. So don't tell me you and I don't respond to words. If plants respond to words, you and I respond to words. And it says in the Bible, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that know its fruit will eat the fruit of it. In other words, learn how to speak those words that you want life to happen. It's funny because we will, we will say the negative about things and believe it. And it's not correct. But the moment we speak the positive, we become a hypocrite. And I would suggest to you maybe we're a hypocrite when we pronounce the lie. And we can become a believer when we start speaking the truth. So he says, Sarah's going to have a son. And you're going to call him, in verse 19, God replies, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. Because Abram, in verse 18, Abraham says, oh God, this is great. Why don't you just use Ishmael? Just use what's already there. Don't substitute something else for what God really wants to happen. You've got to be tenacious in your dream because it's so easy to accept something other than what God has done. It is. 25 years is a long time. I've got something happening just around the corner here. I've got a son. I don't know if you remember. His name's Ishmael. 
I know you kind of know about him because when he was born, he was kind of ridiculed and, 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 and made fun of, and, and, and his mother left, and you somehow met him in the desert. So I know you know about him, so why don't we just make it real easy on you? Just use him. And God says, no, because I said it was Sarah. I said it was Sarah. She's the one that's going to have a son. And his name is going to be He Laughs. Do you know what happened? Sarah was in a tent in another instance. And God, this is, three people come to visit Abraham. (laughs) If you read it in the next one or two chapters, two of them leave to go towards Sodom. One of them stays back and theologically we come from that as what they call a theophany, which is Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. And so can you imagine the other two angels going to visit somebody with Jesus? And they're talking to Abram, Abraham, and Sarah's in the tent, and she hears that she's going to have a son. Do you know what she does? She does what his name is called. And she laughs. Sometimes I think God has this amazing sense of humor. That the very thing that you've called it is what he starts and he uses. And what she, listen to this. What could never happen is what God causes to always happen. We said it could never happen, and God says, ah, now it's going to always continue and happen. And what he does is she, she called it, she had it, she laughed, and God says, now this is going to be fun because every time she's going to call his name, she's going to call what she thought about my original design, and she's just going to call laugh. And I am sure at some point in her life, she calls Isaac and she goes, oh, I remember. I laughed about that. And now I'm actually calling what's happening the same thing that I did. What could never happen is what God continues or uses to continue to happen. God replies in verse 19, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my everlasting covenant with him and his descendants. I am calling forth those words that have been put in your heart. I'm asking Holy Spirit right now to bring to remembrance what God has put in your heart. Because some of you have left them for so long and you've, re- you've, you've analyzed them, deduced them, and explained them away. And I'm here today as a servant of the Most High God, to say they are alive and they are real and they are 
actual things that God will do. And in fact, what you think is impossible is going to be something that continues and perpetuates and continues and keeps going. And every time you look at it, you will be brought back to the point that this is nothing I could do. So everything that's happening on this side of the equation is a result of the Almighty God. And he is the one that gets the glory because I did nothing except believe what he said. And in fact, the first time I even laughed at it because it was so beyond me. This morning is a call to remember what God has said to you. I'd like you to close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. And I want you to ask something. I want you to say something verbally. I'll say it, and then I'd like you to say it. Holy Spirit, bring to remembrance what you have said over me. He's bringing to remembrance. He is bringing to remembrance what he has spoken over you. Some of you, you were just children. In fact, as crazy as it sounds, you might not have even known God at that time. But you had this dream inside of you. So just let it just just let him speak. Let let him speak. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you about three or four things to do to make this practical. The first thing is change what you call it. Quit calling it a bad, stupid, stupid, silly, crazy dream. And start calling it, this is what God has said. Quit pouring, quit pouring death over it and start pouring life over it. God called me and told me I, I was going to run companies, businesses. So I'm going to be a businessman. Start calling it what God calls it. Change the way you call it. There's a whole teaching that I could give you right now about what you call things. But just remember, what you call it is what it becomes. 
Second thing, stay the course. Abraham was told 25 years earlier, it took 25 years. Quit pushing, quit running to the microwave and start looking at God and saying, I will stay the course and I will do what you've told me to do. Because there's a passage in here in Genesis um, 18 or 19 where it says at the appointed time. I wish I could always tell you the appointed time. I can't always tell you. I know right now, for some of you, things are being unlocked right now, and the appointed time is right now. Start speaking and start calling what that is. This is what God said it is. Change what you call it. Stay the course. Genesis 18, verse 13 it says, at the appointed time. He says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? About a year from now, just as I told you. About a year from now. You know why? Because it takes nine months to have a baby. So he says, yeah, I'm about a year from now. At the appointed time. Next thing I want you to see, some of you are going to laugh at this, but you got to start doing it. You got to start planting the seed, literally. If you want children, plant the seed. If you want to see an investment happen, plant the seed. Because nothing grows until it's planted. What good is it in a bag when it's supposed to be in the ground growing? You say, well, I don't know how it's happening. I don't know how corn grows, but all I know is I put it in, fill it with dirt, let fertilizer affect it, let the rain hit it, let the sun hit it, and all of a sudden it sprouts. And it had nothing to do with me. All I did was plant the seed and follow the instruction. So some of you literally need to start planting the seed. So change what you call it. Stay the course and start planting the seed. Do you receive this word this morning? Can you stand for a moment? We're going to close. If you're with your wife or your husband, your spouse, hold their hand. If you're with a family, join together. If you're part family, join together. Because what I want to do is I want some union together. I don't want you being by yourself. If there's nobody beside you, go stand with somebody because we all are part of the family of God. We are family here today. 
And what I want to do is I want to make a declaration over each one of you. And as I make that declaration, I believe I'm standing here in the authority of the king. And so as I make this declaration, what I want you to do is stand in unison together, and I want you to say either yes and amen or say nothing at all. But don't kill it. If you want it to grow, I'm telling you right now, things are going to happen. So do not stand alone. Grab the hand of the person beside you. And Father, right now I declare and I speak with the authority that you have given me as a son of yours. And I speak with the authority as if you are speaking right now. And I stand and I say, let it be as you have said. And we stand and we say yes and amen. I speak to the person to my right and I call forth the miraculous in their life. And I speak to the person on my left and I call forth the dreams in their life. And Lord, may we be a people that the world and nations around us say there is something about them because they have a God that hears, does, and performs his word on their life. May we be marked by you today. Amen. Bless someone and speak life over your life.